If you have the word of the Lord with you today, if you would turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to read verse 6. Now we know that chapter 11 is the faith uh, chapter in the Bible. And in verse 6, Apostle Paul writes, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I think this is a very important verse for us as being children of God. I, I wrote down some notes as I, was, uh, as I looked at this once before. And I think in this day and age, it's really important for us that we need to realize that without faith, we cannot please Him. When we come to God, either in prayer or approaching that throne of mercy find grace in time of need. We, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Why would we go to someone in prayer if we do not believe that he is? Why pray to God through his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, if we don't believe that God is? And what I like is, um, I like the words that are in the King James Version of the Bible. I think they're very descriptive and everything. If you listen to somebody on maybe the radio or something like that, and as they're reading from uh, a different version of the Bible in the King James, and it seems almost generic to me, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, but then when we see the words in here, that, and it says that if we believe that he is, notice I changed it around a little bit. If we believe that he is, then he is a rewarder of us that, what is it, diligently seek him. I think there's so much into that word diligently. It's, you know, we really need to, you know, diligently seek him. That, you know, keep working at it, keep doing it you know, each and every day looking to find him. And you know what? And when we find him, we are going to receive a reward from him. And in this day and age, believing in God, sometimes it's not a popular thing, is it, Sue? It's not a popular thing. You go out in the world, you try to start telling people you believe in God, you believe in his son, Jesus Christ, and that he's the savior of the world. And you're going to get a lot of people aren't going to agree with you, are they? They don't like you to hear it. They don't like to hear that. They don't like to hear about the doctrines of grace because it takes it all out of their hands and puts it into the hands of where it belongs, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, people are, they want to think that, that they can have a part in their salvation. So many people think, Gary, that their good works are going to get them into heaven. If you believe in the doctrines of grace, remember we said earlier, if, if grace is not grace then what? In works, it's, it's not, in a, I'm trying to say this a different way, 
But, you know, if, if it's not grace and it's works, then grace is no more grace. You see what I mean? So we have to believe in that, that grace of God. So I, I wrote a little thing here, and I think this is good for in, in the time in which we live. So I, I'm, I'm asking questions that we can sit there. Do we believe that God is? Do we believe that God is? Do we believe that God exists? You know, people are going to sit there and they're going to they're going to tell us why well, I, I can't see God. You know, it's it's some of these things that there comes a time when I know sometimes we want to really see it in front of us to believe it, okay? But sometimes we have to do what? We have to take a walk of faith, don't we? And even though we know that we can't see God, I can't see Jesus Christ. But I've got a book here that tells me that he exists. I've got a heart that tells me that he lives within me. Because I can feel it. I can feel Jesus in my heart. Can you feel Jesus in your heart? Can you do that? If you do that, then you know know and you believe that he exists. Do we believe that he is the sovereign God and is sitting on his throne and in control of everything that happens in the world? So these are questions that are really, we've got to be able to say, do we believe that God is? Yes. And it's not just a one-word answer. Yes, we've got to give why. Why do we believe that God is? And just like I was telling we can feel him in our heart. Can you feel God in your life? As you go around, that grace of God. You know, for many years, uh, Bill drove that, that propane truck all over the place. Now, he did have some mishaps and whatever, but the grace of God was with Bill as he was going around. So Bill looks at these things in his life and says, I can see. It's not a feeling, is it, anymore? Bill can say, I can see that God exists. Because he has worked in my life. So we, he believes that God is. He believes that God exists because he's seen God work in his life. And we can look back on things in our life. And we can see that God is and that God exists. Now when it comes down to, I, I guess, crunch time, shall we say. When we can look in things and see that God is the sovereign God and he's sitting on his throne today. And he's in control of everything that happens in this world. The election in Biden, I I don't know why. I don't know why certain things happen. I can't answer things. There's some things that are outside of my control. I don't, I don't need to worry about that because we know that God is in control throughout all of this. And whether or not what happens in the years to come, we know because God exists and he's in our life and he's a rewarder of them, that what does the Bible tell us, Brother Roger? There's a crown of righteousness reserved for us. We know what's going to happen when all this world dissolves. 
we know where we're going. And that is because we can believe. When we believe in God, we believe that what? What, Susie? We believe that this is what? God-inspired. All of these words in here are God-breathed. Now, different men, different men, God laid a burden upon their heart to write the words that are in here. Isn't that great when we can look at that and we can see that we are what? We're reading, reading the Word of God. Reading the Word of God. And, and I know there's going to be, you know, as the electronic age and the age of technology goes on and on, we're going to see that there's some people, some people, I ain't going to say anything, that like to read this Bible, okay? I, I love reading the Bible. When I, when I study out and looking at my messages, I, I have this Bible. You can ask my wife because she kicks me out of the, the, uh, the kitchen sometimes because I'll have, on the island, I've got the concordance, the Bible, and then I do use an electronic form of the Bible. Now, as, as you've noticed that I will, I will not use any electronic form from the pulpit. Because I believe when you're here in the pulpit, you should be using this, Gary, and nothing else. The holy written word of God. And that's the way it is. That's the way I believe. But as the age of technology is going to go on, I don't know. I hope that we here at Mount Zion stay kind of like in the old times, maybe. <laughs> you know what I mean? So to believe, to believe is to have faith in someone to accept as true or real. So to believe, we have to have faith. Isn't that what it says here? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And we have to accept them as true or real. Because for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. If we believe that he is, what are we, what are we believing in? We're believing that God is true and God is real. But you know, the Bible tells us we have to take, we have to walk by faith sometimes. And that's why we have to go out and believe that God is. We have to believe that Jesus is. We have to believe that the Holy Spirit, I know I'd come down to that a little bit farther on with the Trinity, but these are things believing that they are. They are as real. Just I cannot see the Holy Spirit, but I've felt him in my life. That he's there. You know, the Holy Spirit is, is, is to guide and direct us in this world in which we live. Remember, Jesus says, if I go not away, he says, I cannot send the comforter unto you. So there were so many things that were going on, and there's so many things that we have to believe in. We have to believe that Jesus died upon the cross. He was dead and buried and was resurrected, and he sits upon the right hand of the Father. I can't see that, Gary. I can't see that, Mabel. I can't see that, can I? But by faith, but by faith we can see that. Isn't one of the songs, by faith I can see it afar? By faith. So when we come down to these things, we see that it's what? It's faith. It has to be faith. Faith and believing in him. 
Now, I, I might be bouncing around with some scriptures, so bear with me. I'm going to try to give you time so you can find all of these scriptures. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, we're going to read verse 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 is very small, but it says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So we're believing because it it is not just because it's written here, because we know it. We can physically see the effects of what God did, can't we? Because God created the heaven. We look up. We can see, if you look out there today, fortunately, the sun's shining, isn't it? So we can see, we know that, that God created that. So that's why we're believing that He is and that He created this world in which we lived. He created the heavens. We look out, we can see the blue skies, we can see the clouds. Isn't it beautiful when you go out there and you look? Isn't it awesome when you get at night because... Some of us live maybe out in the country a little bit farther. When we can get out and we can look up and we can see all the stars. And if you're, you're, you know a little bit about the stars and astronomy and whatever, you can even know that, oh, that's a planet. Oh, this is a planet. So we can see. You know, we can't see some of these things that are way out there. But, you know, God created all these galaxies and everything. You see these pictures from some of these satellites that NASA And we realize that what, Brother Roger? God created all of those things. Well, they'll sit there and say, well, we discovered a new galaxy. What a galaxy was already there, wasn't it? Because God created that. All those things. I don't care how many light years they want to say it's away. But you know, when God created the heavens and the earth, He created the stars in the sky. He created those stars that that light was always already shining here. Sometimes science can't explain everything, can it? But we know it to be true, don't we? In the beginning, God created. He didn't just create the heaven. He created the heaven and the earth. And when you look at it, what does it say, Roger, at the end of every day? And God saw that what? That it was good. God saw that it was good. And we look back and we say, well, that can be but an odd statement, but you know, it's to help us to realize that everything that God created was good. He created man. He created us. And it's just awesome when we look at these things. Uh, let's, let's, let's go to Acts chapter 7. I told you I'd be around just a little bit, but... You know, when we look at him, we, think, we realize that we must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them and diligently seek. Acts chapter 7, we're going to read verse 55 and 56. <clears throat> but he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God 
and Jesus standing on the right hand of God, and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Now we need to understand the context of this. It was Stephen that was talking, and Stephen was soon to be stoned. And remember what it says, and there was a man that was holding the, 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 the garments or whatever, the coats. I'm trying to remember what exactly it was. And it was Saul. Saul was consenting unto his death. And you look into chapter 8 and you look at verse 1. He said, Saul was consenting unto his death. So we can see. But we can see that Stephen... He was standing alone, and he was trying to proclaim uh, Jesus Christ. He was trying to proclaim God, and he looked up. He was full of the Holy Ghost. So we see what here also. We see the Trinity here in these few small verses. And I know Brother Roger likes a lot of the, the spots in the Bible where it talks about the Holy Spirit. You know, we're not to grieve the Holy Spirit. It's that Holy Spirit of God that's with us. It talks about that praying in the Spirit in Ephesians chapter 6. But we see here it says, but Stephen, it says, but he, but Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly. My Bible says, but look, but looks up with assurance. He looked up with assurance unto heaven, knowing that God is, and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And look at what he says. He looked up steadfastly unto heaven, and he saw the glory of God. I'd like to see that, Brother Roger. I'd like to see that. The glory of God. And Jesus standing on the right hand of God. What a sight that must have been as Stephen. And he's sitting there. He's getting ready to stone him. And said, Behold, I see the heavens open." and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. He believed that God was, and that he was or is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We see what's going to happen shortly. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, and Stephen called upon God and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He says, you know, receive my spirit. And look in verse 60. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, and Lord, lay not this sin that are charged. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. That word that fell asleep means that he died, passed away. He died, but he gained the victory, didn't he? He went to be with heaven. And what he, what he saw, what he saw, remember, he saw these things. And when he died, Brother Roger, he was there with them. He was there with God the Father. And he was there with his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He was with them. 
And the same thing is going to happen to us also. Turn to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to read verses 11 and 12. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. So in verse 11, we have obtained an inheritance, haven't we? Because we believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We've obtained an inheritance, being predestinated, being predestinated according to the purpose of him, the purpose of him, God Almighty, who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. We're talking about God Almighty, and He's here for us. And we have obtained an inheritance because we've been predestinated. We're predestinated because our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And what a joy that is. He works all things after the consummation that we, that we, remember we've talked about Ephesians. I like, I love, well, you know I love the book of Ephesians, but in chapter 1, there's so many of this that, that Paul, when he uses certain words here, that we, so Paul's saying, not only me, but you. Because remember, verse 1, what does he say? Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and what? And to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Those out into the future. So God knows what he's doing when he, when he told these people. He told, like Paul, and he laid a burden upon his heart to write this letter to the church at Ephesus. And then in verse 12, he says that we, Paul says, you and me should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. It's just awesome. I I would just like to exhort you to read just chapter 1 of Ephesians because there's so much in here. So much that's in here. You know, that we trusted in Christ. Look, I'm going to read verse 13. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, You heard the word of truth. You believed in him. The gospel, the truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed you were sealed with what? That Holy Spirit of promise. There's that Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit of promise. He's going to be our comforter. He's going to be our guide in this world in which we live. Isn't it awesome? So I got something I I would like to read, and it says, we must not barely believe on him. You know, as I said, not just barely believe on him. You know, there's so many people out into the world, Bill, they just want to do the minimum, don't they? I want to do just the minimum. I just want to do exactly what I want to get by. We can't be like that, Brother Roger. It's just not that we barely believe on him as he has revealed to us in the scriptures. But we need to what? Believe on him with all our mind, our body, and soul. As such, we must believe, this is where I got a little bit ahead of myself, as such, we must believe 
in all three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. See, that's what's a little bit that's contained in here. When we go back, you know, but without faith is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. If we're coming to God, we just, we're just not saying, I believe in God. We're saying, I believe in the Son that God sent into the world, and the Holy Spirit, that comforter that Jesus said, I will send unto you. So you can be sure, you can be assured by the words of Jesus that the Holy Spirit is in the world today. Just like when Jesus says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst, that he's true to his word. And wherever there is a gathering of his saints, as long as there's two, Brother Roger, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. I can't see him here today. I can't see him here today. But because of what he has said, and he is immutable too, just like God. He can't change his word. He says, you know what? He's here. I don't know where he's sitting. He could be sitting next to Brother Roger for right now. I don't know. He could be sitting next to Sister Geneva that back there. Or he could be sitting between David and Carl back there. But I know he is here because he's promised that. He's made a promise to you. He's made a promise to me that he'll be here for us all the time. Isn't it he just such... An awesome God. I mean, there's, there's so much. To me, in chapter 1, there is so much of doctrine in there. Remember, chapters 1, 2, and 3 are doctrinal. If you want to learn about what we believe in as primitive Baptists, read chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3 and see those things. There's so many, there's so many promises. There's so many things in here, you know, and... I just love that in verses 4 and 5 of chapter 2, but God, who is rich in mercy, so we believe in God, we believe that he's rich, he's rich in mercy, and for his great love wherewith he loved us. We believe that he is, we believe that he had a great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. He's made us alive, has quickened He's made us alive together with Christ, by whose grace you are saved. Isn't that awesome? That even when we were dead in sins, He loved us with such a great love that He was watching over us. You know, when we were born and we were growing up, you know, our, our moms and our dads, our parents probably didn't realize we were a child of God. But you know, According to God, who wrote our names in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation, we were technically one of his children. And there was going to come a day when God, your Jesus, would speak to you with that still, small voice and say, come unto me. Come unto me. Because you were one of those. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn of me. Because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He will learn. He will teach us.
stay in Ephesians. We're going to go there, but I want, I want to read something else that I, I wrote down. It said, we must believe in the perfection of God. We must believe in the perfection of God, that he is omniscient and knows our person and he knows our wants and that he is omnipotent and can do for us beyond our thoughts and petitions. Isn't that awesome and amazing? He can do exceeding, and that's in Ephesians, he can do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Turn to Ephesians chapter 3. That's what I, that's what I guess I just said that, but verses 20 and 21 in Ephesians chapter 3. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according, excuse me, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Now unto him that is able to do, what does it say, exceeding abundantly. You know, Brother Leroy brought that out and he says, you know, he does super abundantly above all that we can ask or think. You know, God is so good unto us. How many times during this pandemic have, have we sat there and prayed to God and say, you know, God, what, what do you say? I'm sure other people have said it. God, just keep not only myself, but my family safe from this virus. And all in all, if we look at it, right, Sister Geneva? God's been good unto us. He's been good unto us. I know there's other churches, but remember, we took it upon ourselves at Mount Zion that entirely through this pandemic, we never closed the doors of this church. And I'm not trained to do that to, to pat us on the back. That's what God wanted us to do. Keep it open. And we did. Some stayed home. Some came here. But that was up to each and every individual. But come here. Come here and hear the word of the Lord preached unto you. God is so good unto us. You know, we look at it. And unto him be glory. For to him be praise in the church by Christ Jesus. We should praise God all the time. What's the song? I don't know where it is exactly in our song. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. God from whom all blessings flow. Do we believe what the songwriter wrote down there? We should believe that it is true. We must believe that His grace is sufficient for us. That He is immutable. That word immutable means unchangeable. Immutable in His purpose and covenant. That He is faithful and true to His promises. God is faithful. God is true all his promises. And you go read in the Old Testament, you're going to see a lot of precious promises that are in that Old Testament, Brother Roger. And we can see that starting in Matthew, that they all, all of these start coming true. Even before that, we can see 
you know, John the Baptist, Jesus Christ, his ministry. We can say his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. All of that was in the Old Testament. We can see God is so faithful unto his word all the time. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read verses 7 through 9. I know Brother Roger likes this, these three verses here. Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, would I, will I, I'm sorry, not would I, will I, rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So we can see, you know, that when we say that his grace is sufficient for us, that he is unchangeable, we can see that his grace was unchangeable to the Apostle Paul. And that when he had these things going on in his life, look at what he says in verse, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. So he's saying, lest I should be lifted up above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given me to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me or bruise me, lest I should be exalted above measure. See, it was the grace of God that was sufficient for him through all these things that were going. You know, we don't really know exactly what he went through, but we do know that there was a thorn in the flesh that was given to buffet him. But he was faithful and true to what? God, because he believed that God was, I shouldn't say that was, right, Roger? I said that God is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And for each and every one of us, I want, to under, I want us to understand that I believe verse 9 is not only talking to Paul, but I think he's talking to every child of God. My grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient. Jesus' grace is sufficient for each and every one of us. For his strength is made perfect in weakness. Because when we're weak, yet we are strong. And we're strong only because of Jesus Christ. We can have that strength. Isn't it awesome when we look at these things? We must believe that He is the God of all grace, love, and mercy. We must believe in Him not only as the God of mercy and providence, but as our what? As our covenant head and Father in Christ. 
That's what he is. You know, I, I, you know, when we look at these things, we can see so many different things in that. He's, he's the God of all grace. Turn to, turn to Ephesians chapter 2 again. He is the God of all grace, right? He's grace of love and mercy. Look at in verse 8 and 9. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For by grace are ye saved through faith. But without faith it is impossible to please Him. So because of that faith, For by grace are you saved through faith. Faith in believing in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Remember I talked about it's not only just God, it's Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. We must believe. You can't take one apart from the other. If you're going to take one, Brother Roger, what do you have to do? Got to take all three. You just can't sit there. Just like we're talking about, you can't take little snippets out of the Bible to agree with your lifestyle. You either take this Bible all or none of it. And I believe that's not only... I think that's... It's it's throughout the Scriptures. You have to take it all or none of it. That's the way we need to be. I'm just going to go through a few verses. I've, I've got... I've got quite a few, but we're just going to go through a few of them. Turn to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 9. We're going to read verses 28 and 29. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. Isn't it amazing? He looked at them, these two blind men. We'll go to verse 27. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And that's when it goes. And he came to the house. The blind men came. And Jesus kind of put it on them, didn't he, Brother Roger? He says, Believe ye that I am able to do this? They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. Remember the Bible teaches us that if you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, faith is a grain of mustard seed. So it's not how much faith we have, but who do we have faith in? Who do you have faith in today? Evidently, their faith was in Jesus Christ, wasn't it? Because Jesus answers them, 
according to your faith, be it unto you. Just like that woman who had the issue of blood all those years. And what did, what did she say, Susie? If I can only just touch the hem of his garment. What did she have to have, Bill? She had to have faith. She had to have faith that she knew that when she touched the hem of that garment, she was going to be made whole. And she was made whole. Isn't it awesome when we see these things in the Scriptures, these things coming out in the Scriptures, and we look at them, and we we really need to study out these things, Brother Roger, to see these things. You know, blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. When we realize that, that we have what? Spiritual eyes, we have spiritual ears, to hear and to see. It's amazing when God does these things to us. Turn to Mark chapter 9. You know, I'm probably going to stop with this because this is just, it's just an awesome verse, a couple of verses to start to stop at. We're going to read verses 23 and 24. You know what? Let's go back to 17, and we're going to go down to 24. I want us to get the background of this. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. Listen to the words in verse 19. He answereth him and saith, O faithless generation, or unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you, or put up with you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. That tear him word converts over to convulsions, convulsed. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything... Have compassion on us and help us. It's kind of a strange that he says, but if thou canst do any help, if you can't, if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us. Have pity on us and help us. Look at what Jesus says. Jesus said unto him, again, Brother Roger, he puts it on the man. If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. What an awesome statement that this man has just said. You know, he said, you know, if you can believe, all things are possible 
to him that believes. Remember Hebrews 11.6. Let me go back there so I don't get it wrong. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So he was believing that Jesus was and who he said he was. He cried out and said, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. I think there's been times in my life where I've said the same thing. Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. You know, we're not perfect, are we? We doubt sometimes, don't we? We doubt. But God is so good unto us that just like this man, he helps our unbelief and helps us to believe that what? All things are possible to him that believeth. And the Spirit cried, verse 26, and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Isn't it awesome? The mighty power of God to cast that devil out of this young man's son and to present him unto him and say, here you go. Here you go. I'm going to close with verse 23. Jesus said unto him, and I think he says unto us too, Brother Roger, as this book was just not meant for that time, but for all eternity. If thou canst believe, there's two statements. If thou canst believe, there's a comma, and it says, all things are possible to him that believeth. So for each and every one, we need to look at these things, and we need to see. And as we go back to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I thank your kind attention this morning.